What's up, what's up, what's up? And we're starting this thing, Aesthetic Businesses Podcast. What's up, what's up, what's up? It is Marcus Cotto with Team CTN and the Marcus Project with Mike Mendez and IFBB Pro Nicholas Austin. Y'all? What's good, what's good? Man, uh, y'all don't know, like me and Nick, we're like past like coaching because, you know, even though he is my client, we're like brothers by this point you know we've been been together what since 2015 something like that you know what since 2014 and 15 between them mm-hmm. so it's been a long time so just just a little background so we're, we're all veterans you know and at the time i had just left okinawa right probably in 2013 and then i had i still had a, so many people there and i had people helping me out and then up pops this guy Right, that somebody was like, "Hey, you should help this guy out." Blah 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 blah, and we didn't end up linking together. But what happened was he went against one of my clients at a show, and he almost lost. Yeah, and that's until and then he contacted me, and then we've been together ever since then. You know, um, even through all the bodybuilding shows and beyond, through all the deployments, right, all the way to yep. afterlife into the home buying a first home until everything else so with that being said uh nick just give us some background about how life has been um since you know your last show and getting out the military into like what you're doing now as a background and we'll go from there oh boy where where do i start i i know most people that's listening that are military they like to hear your stats so we'll go ahead and give those first <laughs> 12 years, honorable service, retired out of the Marine Corps. My job was EOD. Basically, if y'all know that, I was a bomb squad for the military. Um, but being in the military is the bomb squad on steroids. You deal with that plus more. So, moving on to the transition. They get special treatment, um, just letting everybody know that. They get they get special <laughs> treatment in the military. <laughs> no matter what branch, they get special treatment. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so... Uh, that transition to a civilian life is, it's a bitch. It's, um, it's something that nothing really can prepare you for. You can take all the classes. You can get all the handouts, the pamphlets. You can have people on the outside kind of walking you through it. Until you put your feet in those shoes and walk a mile, you will never be able to comprehend what it takes to hit the ground running and become successful. Mm-hmm. Um, for two years. I didn't have a job. I was basically a family man, taking care of a family. Um, my retirement paid the bills, this and the third. But it was living frugal. I lived on a tight budget. Everything was planned. Um, but didn't have the freedom that I needed or wanted. It wasn't until August of 2021 that I got three job offers and selected one, which put me as a junior network engineer back in the IT field. So way outside of my last job in the military, but it was actually inside of the field of my first job in the military. Um, let's backtrack for a second. Back in 2020, we got the first house. Um, yeah, we did. I remember that, yeah. man. How, how um, many how many pitfalls did we go through uh, to to even 
nail that one, you know, because you called me like a couple times pissed off. Look, if I never understood Q's struggle with getting properties and why he was stressed out and not eating. For everybody who doesn't know, hold on, I'm Q. Everybody doesn't know who Q is. (laughs) My name's Q. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Um, I realized what it was then. Um, I went through three properties. The first one I tried to acquire while still in California before I moved. It was a duplex in a grade A neighborhood. And for you guys don't know, grade A or five-star neighborhood are one of your most desirable neighborhoods that you can move into. They have high employment rates. People usually own their properties. Um, income is high. Property taxes are high. Mm-hmm. Um, school districts are on point. So these are places that people go to feel safe, secure. Those are dream, dream neighborhoods. <laughs> yes. And their resale values are through the roof. The problem with that is there are homes in these neighborhoods and not duplexes or quadplexes. So when it came time for us to get an appraisal, everything was flowing fine until nothing in the zip code was able to be compared to the property I was trying to purchase. Uh So since there was nothing in the zip code to be compared, they had to go outside of the surrounding zip codes, which means you are not compared to A neighborhood properties. You're looking at now B neighborhood properties, Uh B plus, C plus, which means his value drops significantly. And when I say significantly, what he was asking for, I think he was appraised 40,000 below. Yeah. See, that's the thing though. You know, those, those, I kind of ran into a problem like that with my, my, uh, fourplex, but those things can be hit or miss, right? They can help you out sometimes when you have bare minimum comparisons. But then like in, in that situation, holy hell, you know, you don't have anything. So like a plus will be like, Hey, I got this duplex and the one down the road or two sold for seven hundred thousand i'm buying this for three hundred thousand so they only can compare those right there so if they don't have anything they will go outside the area those are just things to keep in mind now there was two downfalls with that number one seller was pissed which means he's not gonna let go of the property (laughs) and number two i even tried to negotiate with him Mm-hmm. And try to find some common ground to where he could relinquish the property because it was a great property. Two two car garages combined in the back, so I had a four car garage. Ooh. I had two um, three bedroom, two baths on both sides, so on a decent piece of land. So it was definitely something I would have held on to. Definitely something that would have cash flowed and I could have used yeah, to start my yeah. real estate professional. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't find middle ground. That fell through. I was stressed out. And then I had to move here into an apartment, which put a wrench and stressor on everybody. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad it didn't work out because when I actually went to an open house and I didn't disclose who I was, I walked in and I could almost touch the walls on one or the other <laughs> in the rooms. So I wasn't mad about it. Yeah. It was a, it was a blessing in the skies. There was some reason why I couldn't get that. And I let it go. The second house, I think this was probably my most stressful. It was a prior serviceman. Um, everything went smoothly. Mm-hmm. 
but the numbers were extremely tight. So I was able to live with it and things were doable. Until it came down to signing. I was literally on an airplane 35,000 35, feet above the ground and I got an email from my realtor because I made sure I had Wi-Fi. She's like, hey, go to the paperwork. If you can sign it right now, sign it to the back to me. I'm going with the paperwork. The numbers increased by $200. And I said, this is no way. With your final uh, proposal and everybody running our numbers, I can't afford this. She was like, you're closing tomorrow. I'm like, no, we're not. I mean, there's no closing until I actually put my name on the dotted line. So all we did was me waste some money for appraisals. Yeah. third. Yep. And I'll take that loss and we'll walk away. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most stressful because I was literally supposed to move in that day. The house had HOA. I was going to be able to deal with that. But there was a lot of other hidden fees that popped up during closing. And if you didn't read the contract, mm-hmm. you really got stuck with and popped up on you. They be doing that. Yeah, they do. So that was probably the most stressful. Was it was it the bank or was it was it like the or, uh, origination fees? Were they trying to sneak sneak some fees in there? It was the bank adding fees on, but also um, with my insurance and stuff being recalculated uh, from the way things were ran, those were increased. Ah, mm-hmm. so that was a no go. And literally, I was supposed to close, sign, close, and walk off. The house I'm living in now, the house is listed for well outside my budget. I wanted to buy my first property around 200000 mm-hmm. A lot of breathing room, nice starter home, three-bedroom, two-bath. Everybody got their own little spaces in. The house is listed for two seventy-five, And I'm just like, why am I even looking at this? During the peak of COVID, you have two options. And I don't know if people remember this. Option A, pull your house off the market and sell at a later time. Yep. Or B, drop the value of your home so that it can sell. Mm-hmm. Because during that time, the real estate market was hurting and it was a buyer's market. Yep. It was not in seller's favor because they were not going to make no money. Yeah. I think everybody was trying to get out of those apartments at that time. There was just, everybody was fleeing the, the condo life. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So the house listed for 275 the house is marked down to 250. I was like, this is a prime opportunity. Still in the grade A five-star neighborhood. Walking distance to a, a eight out of 10 school. Um, a nine out of 10 was a little bit of a driving distance. Still could walk if you wanted to. Um, right down the street from the police station. Um, you name it, it had every amenity. And then the neighborhood was still getting built up, added things onto it to increase the property value. Mm. So it piqued my interest. I'm 50 grand over my limit. I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite this and I'm going to go for it. We walked in. I said, I want to get in this house down to my realtor. She got me in that day. I walked in. I checked the drawers to see if there were cars in there. There were no cars. I was like, are we the first ones in this house? She was like, yes. I was like, call them right now to put in a verbal offer. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't care what you got to do. Call them right now while you're standing in front of me. She called, we put in a verbal offer, they accepted. So at that point, we left, she left. And I stayed and looked around. 
Um, her associate came and locked up. Um, I signed the paperwork. They agreed to add closing, put 5000 on the back end of the contract. So I ended up buying this property for $255,000 with a VA loan. But this is where it gets interesting. Doing the appraisal, they wanted to go with their own people. I highly recommend anybody buying their own home, do not let the seller go with their own people for appraisal. Uh, <laughs> yep. So I knew a reputable company that I wanted to go with. I had them come in, do the appraisal. They had an addition put on the house. The house was originally 1,700 square feet. Mm -hmm. The addition made it 2,300 square feet. Nice. The roof on the addition was poorly installed. So there were leaks coming into the attic. It was like the entire roof needs to be done on the addition. Oh, wow. The rest of the house is good, but that needs to be replaced. On top of that, there was a few other amenities that needed to be fixed. Seller there argue with me, put a new roof on the back, fixed everything that I put on my list, no questions asked, walked away with everything I needed. And, and, so, and, the, and the appraisal now? The, the the equity you've gained <laughs> the equity you've gained out of that deal because like if you if the seller marked it down twenty five grand you already knew that shit was gonna bounce back like so dang. the house sold for two fifty five at closing I paid three dollars I paid about a amount of a bag of chips on the sofa walked in there put it on the table walked out about a year later my house value right now is 319 which means i have about sixty four thousand dollars worth of equity in nice 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 you got some breathing room for uh, almost do another deal man to get, get get almost almost yeah you do i would say a couple more uh maybe a year or so i can uh get a line of credit on it and then hit the ground yeah <laughs> right get up out of there that's what i'm talking about man yo all right, so now, like, now that you've got your first home, everybody knows how you did your first home, and I, I want y'all to know, like, the knowledge he's gained out of doing the, like those failures, like his next home, th this is why he had all those things done. That he would have never known to get his own appraiser or anything like that if he wouldn't have failed at those other deals or just doing his own research. Because man, he was calling me, was like, "Yo, this, that, and third. And I'm like, "Yo, just." It'll be good. Trust me. It's going to be fine. You know, <laughs> on to the next. Um, but no, get into this crypto mining, man. Like what I want to hear about. How did you get into crypto mining? Uh, for y'all don't know, we do have our own like little personal group, you know, that we've all like we started. But uh, this dude took it to the next level, man. Tell us about the crypto mining, how you got into it. And uh, yeah, let's do it. So I want to say for everybody, like this is our inner circle like he might do podcasts but the three of us right now that, that that's the clip yeah um and each one of us got our own little niche and things that we like to do um but for me i need to find my niche so being in the it field i was like you know what how about i do something technical so i started looking i'm like i wanted to branch out and be an entrepreneur but entrepreneurship is not for everybody Yep. You have to find your niche. You have to find what works for you. And for me, crypto made sense. Um, to a lot of people, it doesn't. Because it's literally digital currency. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like fiat currency. Basically, it's not backed by 
of government backing, like yeah. gold or some type of reserve. But there are certain governments that have their own fiat currency that's not backed by anything itself. Yeah. Um, I started doing research. I started looking for what I needed. Um, and it seemed fairly simple. It's basically, as a miner, my job is to continue the digital ledger for the blockchain to keep it going and keep the books running. So basically what I do is I verify and add new transactions into a brand new blockchain that we created. I mean, a new block on that chain and keep a log of those and keep it moving. While I'm doing this work, helping the blockchain keep growing, I'm getting paid cryptocurrency. So you have to think about it like a, horse, uh, a car. The fewer horsepower you got, the slower your car moves. Mm-hmm. The slower it takes to get to your destination. The more horsepower you have, the faster it moves, the faster I get to my location. You do mining proof of work by having uh, graphics cards. For anybody that doesn't know, they call them GPUs, graphics cards. Um, a lot of video gamers use them to get better imaging for their gaming systems online. The more graphics cards you have in a rig hooked up, the more work you can actually do. So for me, if we want to, and I don't know if your viewers can see this, but you guys can, I have about 36. (laughs) Woo! 36 graphics cars right now running in the garage. And tell us, what about the difficult level of like you had of getting acquiring all, all this stuff and and, <laughs> and and just uh and just not there's just so many scammers and stuff out there and how did you know what to do and just and what to get in and what are you going through at this point right now i'm a hustle like Damn right from 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 birth like if i gotta get it i'm gonna get it i'm gonna find a way to get it if i gotta get out of the mud with no help by nobody so when it came to financing this, by any means necessary, I got the money. Whether it was trading options, skimming a little money, putting that to the side. Shout out the options trading. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get back to the options trade. Um, with my paychecks, moving those off to the side, starting my own LLC, applying for business loans, business credit cards, using those lines of credit to purchase equipment, so on and so forth. But it's not getting the money is half the battle. Finding the graphics cards is the other half because that's damn near impossible nowadays. If you look on eBay, graphics cards are selling three times over market value, which means by the time you break even, if you buy one of those, is a year and a half or so on, which crypto could drop to zero in that time frame. So the things you want to do is spend the least money as possible acquiring equipment so that your return on your ROI is faster. So right now, my break even is a little less than a year for all my equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything after that is a hundred percent profit. Like I don't have to sit here and calculate like, you know, realtors like, Hey, you know, this is my, um, this is why I'm making this month off this property. You know, after a year, everything that it generates goes into my business account and into my pocket. Mm. 
I think my I, Mike, what do you think? Like, you know, it's so funny. He mentions those graphic cards. You know, we all do options trading. I'm really into the tech part of of when it comes to options trading. I can tell you right now, those stocks, right, were high, but in those cars are in so much demand. If y'all don't know, like this video games has now turned into like a four billion dollar industry, right? And the graphic cards he's describing, they're they're short on them. They're so short. Right, I think uh, was it Nivea was is that one of them that makes the graphics cards? Like Mike, what do you see is like as far as graphic cards in the stock market and just relating to what he's going through in this inventory? Well, before that, I want to talk about what he mentioned earlier about when he was looking at his property and he said he opened the door to look for cards. I want I want to discuss what that really means. So as a realtor, right, every time we go and show a property, we normally old school ways we leave our business card, and what that does is says this person viewed this property. Right. Mm. And so I, I use digital, so I don't I don't ever do that. But that is the old school method. And what that and the reason why I say that is because he was smart to look at it. If you see the cards, that's how many times that house has been viewed. Ah, so I never look at that. That's the yeah. I look at it. Look, dropping gems. I never, ever look at that. Yeah, that's that's yep. that's why when he said it, it's it's a really big deal, because if you look it up, if this house has been on the market for two weeks and you see no cards, you got them right or. Vice versa, this market has been on the, the market for three, four weeks or something, and you see 10, 15 cards, you got them. These are negotiation tactics that you can use because it lets you know the interest of a realtor has like, if, if it's been on the market for two months and you see 10 cards and it's not off the market, you know that there's something, something's going on. Everyone's passed on it. So That's fucking crazy. I, I've been doing I that early. Long. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. I've walked into the house with a client, you know, I walked in the house with a client and said, we're good. Why you like it? Okay, cool. We're going to offer less. Why? Because there's cards. People seen this house. It's not brand new, right? Like into his event too, as well. Like if you're, if you're the first one in, no one's there, put an offer in. Why? Everything comes fast, man. If you're the first one and you sit there and say, I'll make you a good deal. the, The seller at the end of the day could care less who, how many times have seen, they want the best deal, the fastest, the easiest way possible. Mm -hmm. That's it. And during the COVID time he's speaking of, you didn't know it was uncertainty. If, if they would have held on two more months, probably would have had a different story. But and you don't know, steal. right? Yeah, um, yeah. and and so there go, there goes of that. And so I think that's really kind of I want to I throw that out there. Like that was very smart to see that and to, to go off of that. Um, and then when we're going to the actual graphic cards, yeah, man, like the, you see the stock market, you can bet on them. You know, even the point where where Nvidia fell down. It came right back up at bounces and those type of things. And now there's a supply chain shortage of getting those. And so that's why you're seeing the market increase it because there's supply chain issues have been going on. And he has to notify that to know that you're paying over what it's worth. But the current market is a current market. Would you would you say, Nick, right now that you paid less for your cards now than what they are? Like, I, I know the price had to change by now. Had to. Absolutely. Um, I would say... I bought. We're talking about months in between each other too. <laughs> at least twenty-three cards used. Mm-hmm. I bought them used, but the deal was unbeatable. So I was watching a seller trying to sell his rigs um, for about twenty-four thousand dollars. He had sixteen cards. And they were non-LHR. Um, and for people that don't know, you have non-LHR versions and LHR versions, which means limited hash rate. So 
people are buying up so many cards that um, the text came out with a limited hash rate card, which is still great on graphics, but it reduces the hash rate power so miners wouldn't buy the card. So they basically locked up the card just for gaming. Mm. But I found this dude that was selling 16 cards, non-LHR, and he wanted 24000 He couldn't sell it. Now, I was watching on eBay, and I made sure I kept notifications. When his timer ended, he relisted it. The second time, he relisted it for 20000 It was like, make your best offer. I offered sixteen five. Nice. Shoot. Shoot way below the hip. Yeah, you know? I definitely like dance. <laughs> but he came back within like thirty minutes and <laughs> counter offered me eighteen five. I was mm. like, nah, we could talk because if you hit me back that quick, mm-hmm. you want to sell. One hundred percent. I was like, look, I'm not giving you eighteen five. I'll do sixteen five. We'll cut out the middleman and I'll drive to New York. And pay you cash. That way, you don't have to pay eBay, end your sale, and then pay me. I mean, give me the cards personally, and that way you keep all the money. He was like, New York, it is. So this dude drove from Maryland, and I drove from Ohio, and we met in New York, and I inspected the cards. He showed me the rigs while they were on. He gave me access to them from my laptop. I looked at them, functioning fine. He was like, yo, if there's any issues with him, he was real friendly. If there's any issues, you know, let me know this and the third, you know, if something breaks or it's not working properly. Now I'll refund some of it. I was like, bet. Got the cars home, built the rigs in my kitchen from scratch. Yeah, he did. Because all I took with his cars. Mm-hmm. Hooked it up, and we got to tinker. And I couldn't find out for the love of me why some of the stuff wasn't working. And after troubleshooting my systems, it came down to too much latency. I was basically trying to ping too many times and just the signal was dropping from my garage getting back to my router and back out to the world. The problem was I had a Wi-Fi extender. Even though I had a hard line plugged into it, mm-hmm. the signal going in between it would drop. And I don't know if it was because of the wiring or the voltage coming through or what. But it was causing me to get high stale rates, um, hash power not working right. I went to work I tipped a 50-foot cable. I brought it back to my house, ran it back. Lo and behold, signal was strong. We back in business. What's the? So, go ahead. What, what's the uh, potential? Like, I know everybody's like, "Oh, crypto." People probably want to know what kind of crypto are you mining, and what's the potential, like daily rate? Like, give them like the the potential that you can make a daily doing crypto mining, and how easy. Is it or what you need to set it up? And can you do it from your home? You can literally do this from your home. And it's easy to set up with a little know-how. And if you don't know how, you can watch a YouTube video and it can tell you right then. Yeah, yeah, should teach you anything. <laughs> so with the amount of equipment that I have running right now, I generate about... Is that a, is that a Nighthawk in the background? Is that a Nighthawk router? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Um, I generate about $80, um, $80 a day. That's and nice. Some of y'all, some of y'all make about a hundred and some change a day. So I'm not too far off of what you make on your daily paycheck. Um, right now we're in a dip. So at the end of the month, 
I pull in about 2,500, 2,600 right now. When, and I'm at, I mine Ethereum. All my rigs are on Ethereum. So, when Ethereum goes back up, back into the $3,000 range, we're looking at 3,200 a month, you know, three grand a month. But, and I believe the more cards you get, the more like you can do, right? The, the more cars I get, the more horsepower I have to do these equations, which means that. that equates to more money a day. Look at that. That's fucking beautiful. That's and beautiful. You guys watch me for like a good three, four days. What do you mean watch you? You would disappear. This dude would disappear for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be texted in our little group thing, and I'd be like, "Hey!" And then all of a sudden, we won't hear anything from Nick. I'd be like, "Yo, he's either he's either like pissed or he's like busy." Text him, "What are you doing?" Shows us this big computer rig blinking. <laughs> she looked like he got a spaceship in it in his uh, kitchen. I was like, "Yo, all right, he's busy. Let him let him do his thing." Yeah. So, but it's been really interesting. Like, like no bullshit. Me and Mike has been like, we talk about it all the time about your rigs and this what you're doing. Um, and it's like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I. That's not my thing, right? Everybody has their thing. And if anybody don't know, Nick is probably the most, the smartest motherfucker I've ever fucking met. met. And just to tell y'all, like, I wrote with this dude one time, and we use. He doesn't like using Google Maps, right? He'll use it once. For anywhere where he's at, and then he'll put it down, and then he'll know exactly where he's going. That's that old EOD shit, you know, just that photo memory. Mm -hmm. So this this dude is in, just you can't sleep on him at all. He's always got something going on, and, and he's just highly intelligent. If you ever get a chance to talk with him, uh, and he's just he and he's also a great bodybuilder too. So he's a great bodybuilder, but there's way more than just life. There's life after bodybuilding. This let me tell you that. Uh I'm I'm glad you said that. Um, it's sad, and the reason I say it's sad is because if you ask anybody that's decent at bodybuilding, hey, what do you plan to do after this is over? They look at you like a deer in headlights. Especially ones that have momentum and success and a couple of wins under their belt, they see no light at the end of the tunnel for them after this. Mm -hmm. They see nothing else. They're fully invested into an industry that could give two shits about it. They're fully committed to something that does not give them any value to their lives. So what? You get a couple of dollars for doing a guest post. They give you a couple of grand. I make a couple of grand not doing shit. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask people. I'm like, yo, like people are like, oh, they're in the industry. And this, you know, you know me when I go to these shows. Like they'd be like, you know who this person is? I'm like, I don't know who these picking people are, and I'm like legit. I couldn't even tell you who these motherfuckers are because I, I don't see them, you know, because I'm in my own like bubble. But the thing is, I always ask people who come talk to me, like who are doing being successful. I'm like, then what are you doing? What are you doing with your cash? You got a nice, you got all this car and everything, but what you you have no, you not building any wealth. You're not building anything, and then I see it time and time again. And when the when the curtains close, these motherfuckers are back with the roommates. And the crazy part is, Q knows me. Like, I am a car person through and through. Mm -hmm. I would buy car parts and work on my truck or my race car, just on my motorcycle. Like, I was out there turning wrenches. When I got serious about this, I learned what the word sacrifice was. 
the first the first thing to go, I sold my drag bike. Yo, yeah. I, put, <laughs> I sold my drag bike. I put it up on Facebook. Within four hours, it was sold. Straight cash. I used that cash towards this shit. And people always talk about, you know, I want to be a fucking millionaire. I want to get in the game. I want to be successful. You know, I deserve this. You don't deserve shit. Nobody owes you shit. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to achieve the things that you want? In fact, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because, motherfucker, I want to sacrifice sleep. I want to sacrifice my peace of mind. I want to sacrifice all my fucking toys in the garage. Like, I want to sacrifice staying up and doing certifications. Like, what are you willing to give up and be uncomfortable long enough to get where you want? Mm-hmm. That's that's 100%. I, I can tell you what. Um, just to be, just This dude's been around so long, right? He's seen me stressed out and still had a coach. And keep it fucking cool, you know? There's been a lot going on in my life that he will only know, right? That I still just, nobody will ever know, right? And I remember, I remember uh, this last, his last, his pro show I was at, I had a four, my fourplex, like the plumbing went to shit, right? And then I got, I got served paperwork that was going my first legal battle, right? (laughs) I was, and I just, I just bought the place. And the next day, the plumbing went out. Like, the plumbing just went into the next person's shit. And I was so fucking stressed out. But I, I, I totally get the whole sacrifice and just... And he was like, it'll be fine. Because he, he's... he. I didn't want to bother him because he was hungry. Nick hungry is not... It's... <laughs> but I understood, though. I understood. Even in my state, I was like, I'm good. It'll be fine. Yeah, but just... Just to see him come full circle, guys, that's what I'm saying. Just the sacrifice he's done and just um, just being like a good influence on just what he's doing and what, he's, what his endeavors is. And him just going to the next level and doing his own thing. Like I said, like we all have our strengths uh, when it comes to all three of us. And Mike is a beast when it comes to building computers and tech him's damn self. He doesn't give himself enough credit for that. So, um, And Nick is also a tech head. I am... I am a lot of things, but I am I mostly real estate for me, right? And we all dibble in a little bit of um, options trading. But the b- biggest thing is we all feed off each other. This is why I created the group that we have. But we all, like, no matter what level that we're at, we all motivate each other, like, since we all started this group. And I feel like ever since we've done that, every one of us has been just scaling up, scaling up and just doing things. One day we're going to reveal what Mike is into, right because that shit is wild right so he, he's got something going on but um man honestly the whole um crypto mining thing that you're doing i think that's fucking awesome and tied into what you're doing this goes into just what i've been telling everybody there's so much fucking money out there there's so much that y'all like and, and there's and there's no wrong way of doing it right you just got to find your own niche and it doesn't have to be real estate. It doesn't have to be crypto. It can be whatever, you know, there's a market for everybody. You can't have all the clients. You can't have everything, but you can have your own thing. And I'm just a big person on passive income and making money in your sleep and passing that on, you know? So, but what Nick is creating and what he's done is he's already, like I always tell people, get some skin in the game, right? He's already in his house. He got into his house at a good deal. Now he has equity 
right, in his home to do something else later. But also he has this crypto mining shit that I would no doubt will pass up the equity in a couple in, in a couple years. You know, and he's planned this out. And I bet you in about a couple in a couple years. And and on top of that, y'all don't have to y'all have to understand he's doing crypto mining, right? So it goes up and down. But if that shit shot the fuck up, holy hell, right? And he's doing ether. Ether is is I think is better than Bitcoin as far as like uh the exchange rate and NFTs and everything going on right now. A lot of people use ether, you know? Um, um Ethereum. Ethereum. Yeah. It's Ethereum. I, I thought it was Ether for short. Is that what it is? It, yeah, it is. So, but um, here's the crazy part about that. And one thing I want to caveat to that: for all, especially like all my hood people, people love selling drugs. This and the third is fast money. Think of it like this: I legit print money in my fucking garage. The only fucking thing I do is pay electricity. If that ain't robbing the fucking system, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, like I said, man, it's just so much. And I hate, I think I'm going to do this next podcast is on just excuses and motivation of what it takes to fucking like to reach that next level. You know what I mean? And just the, honestly, I tell people all the time, you got to hit fucking rock bottom, man. Sometimes the fucking, you got to hit, like, I've, I've done it, man. My shit was like 2008, two, you know, like. Watch me do it. That I yeah I watch you do your shit but it's it's but you have to be humble and then climb out that bitch and I'm just a firm believer in like hey any goals or any dreams that you want right universe or whatever is gonna put these obstacles in front of you to see if you can get past them to see if you even worthy of your fucking dreams I'm gonna say that again worthy of your fucking dreams because once you get to the top it's a whole different type of fucking stress. So if you can't handle this shit down here, you're not ready for the shit up fucking top. I can tell you that firsthand. And if you got people working for you, now you got to take care of people's other families and shit. It gets deep, man. You know? So, uh, but yeah, other than that, thanks for coming on and everything like that. We've been wanting to have him on for so long just to see exactly what he's been doing. But y'all have any questions for crypto mining, definitely reach out to Nick. He, he'll... Whatever he wants to do, he'll probably give you a nice fee for uh, all that setup. Because I damn sure will. I damn sure will. Because uh, he free in this world. Yep. Yeah, so, but I think it's a really good idea for those who are or or tech heads or into stuff like that, or who hasn't thought of something like that. Like, oh, I can do crypto mining, and just let you know, yeah, it's gonna cost you some money to get in, but invest in your fucking self. There is no plan fucking B. I'm gonna tell y'all again. There is no plan fucking B. Every time you say plan B, that is error for a window to fail. Fuck that. All right? So other than that, um, we're going to sign off. And thanks, Nick. Yeah, man.